and you are. And uh, I don't want to steal his thunder, but I want to add to his thunder. Uh, I'm in the unique position of being blessed by this congregation, by different individuals, uh, many whom remain anonymously. And uh, I know you won't believe this, but I'm often rendered speechless at the compassion, the giving, the love that uh, any one person would receive. And uh, I like to brag on you, and I do. <laughs> uh, whether it's uh, Penny, who says she's watching tonight, uh, bringing over dinner and waiting there for me when I get off the road of 12 hours with Uber, or someone sending a Christmas card that when I get back from seeing my grandchildren, it comes to Fran Fraley's house, which is where I live. I rent from Fran. And I looked on the table, and there was a card. And it said, Gabe Rivera in care of. And I went, who in the world is sending me something here? And it was a card and a $20 bill. It's not the amount. It's that I was thought of. And someone took an extra effort to make sure it got to the right house and it was there when I got back from seeing my grandchildren. I hadn't seen my grandchildren in over a year and I wasn't sure that I was going to go, but God through you made it possible so that on Wednesday night, the 23rd, after our beautiful Christmas Eve Eve service, at 10.30 that night, I hit the road, and uh, 686 miles later, with one stop, I have to brag a little bit, <laughs> one stop only, I was in southwest Indiana. They live near Evansville. And they didn't know I was coming. I love it when a plan comes together, amen? <laughs> And I pulled into the driveway, and they were out. The garage door was open, and my daughter kind of did this. Wasn't sure who was pulling into her driveway at 9.45 in the morning. And my son-in-law, he was just as unsure. And then my 11-year-old granddaughter, when they realized it was me, came running out of the house. Grandpa, 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 and gave me a big hug. And right there in the driveway, she said, Grandpa, I would have given up all of my Christmas presents for you to be here. I had no idea. But God, two great words in the scripture and in our lives, but God. I'd met with pastor after Tina had let me know what had come in on that second Sunday on the 20th, and he said, you should go, you should go. How much do you need? I'll give it to you right now. That's our pastor. I said, no, 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 I'm not asking for your money. I'm asking for your advice and for your prayers. And I embarked upon my Ubering 
Monday was disastrous. But on Tuesday, and right now, during what we all are going through, Uber is roller coaster. You just don't know. Businesses are closing in Northern Virginia again, the restaurants, etc. That's very impactful on, on me. But on Tuesday, the 22nd, I, I did all the max hours that I could do. That's over like 12 hours on the app. And God gave me almost $300 in one day, $293 and change. So Wednesday night, I was able to go. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. And for June 22, two weeks ago, I had a one and a half hour phone session. Uh, out of state couple, 10 years, four children, a set of twins. They were supposed to call me back today if they wanted to continue on. To this moment, they haven't called. Just pray for this couple, married 10 years, same story that I have to share with you so often. Introduced to pornography at age 14. Impacting his responsibilities as a husband and a father. And I detected really no interest on his part of wanting to repent. So that's why it was a long 90 minutes uh, I offered to go to them. That's what I do. Uh, they're down near the South Carolina border. But that's all right. That's what we do. So you pray for this couple. And again, thank you for all that you do. Take your Bibles this evening and open them with me to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. This is a beautiful psalm, and I'm going to <clears throat> hopefully challenge you in a different way. It's going to be a rather expository message. We're going to start at uh, verse 1, and we're, Lord willing, going to go straight through the chapter tonight. But in my opinion, uh, this chapter breaks down very nicely into an outline form in Verses 1 and 2, we would have what we would call the introduction. And this is for all my homiletical friends out there in YouTube land and uh, who are wanting an outline. Uh, I, I will try to give you one. But in verses 1 and 2, we have what we'll call the introductory prayer. In verses 3 through 6, <clears throat> we have David's confession. In verses 7 through 12, we have the petition of his heart. And I'll go back over that again with you, but I want to read with you Psalm 51. And as I read, you put yourself as you can in David's shoes. And if I had to give this message a title, it would be Resolution, Renovation, Repentance. Now, this is the time of the year where we're all thinking about resolution. 
But I submit to you tonight, before we even read, resolution is not enough. We all make resolutions, and usually by today, January 3rd, they're forgotten. Renovation. I'm going to be a better man. I'm going to be a better woman. Again, same formula. By January 3rd, we've had a little hiccup, and we lose our gumption to continue on the so-called path of renovation. What we need so desperately is repentance, not resolution, not renovation. We need repentance. And that's what Psalm 51 is about. It's about confession and forgiveness. Oh, confession is far different than resolution. Confession is not about renovation. Confession leads us to repentance, a change of mind, a change of heart, a change of action. In this psalm, we're going to be introduced to a man who waited a little over one year to confess. This is what he says. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me, from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. 
with burnt offering and whole burnt offering, then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Let's pray. Father, open our minds and hearts of understanding tonight as we look in to this psalm. See King David, Father, bearing his soul, agreeing with you concerning his sin, confessing, repenting, and seeking forgiveness. Father, as we begin this new year, help us not to be satisfied with merely resolution. Help us not to only desire renovation. Give us a repentant heart that will be melt together with your heart, empowered by your Holy Spirit who lives within your children, that we might see you do great and mighty things in this hour, in this day, in this world. And may it be through us individually, through us corporately as a local assembly, that it may redound unto your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when we get ready for Christmas, some families have their children make out Christmas lists. Sometimes from the mission field, the churches will get a list of needs from missionaries, and that's okay. Lists abound. But there's some gifts that you could give at Christmas that are beyond monetary value. I wonder if these found their way to your list this year or in years gone by. I, I don't know. Say, well, what's your list, Brother Gabe? I'm glad you asked. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mend a quarrel. Hmm. Dismiss suspicion. Tell someone, I love you. Give something away anonymously. Forgive someone who has treated you wrong. Turn away wrath with a soft answer. Apologize if you were wrong. Be especially kind to someone with whom you work. Give as God gave to you in Christ without obligation or announcement or reservation or hypocrisy. That's quite a list. Does it resemble any list you've put together in the last few Christmases? You know, we all need to be forgiven. We all need repentance active in our lives. And if we don't teach ourselves to repent in the little miscues of our life, we'll never repent when it gets big. Because big issues are made up of the little miscues that we have never taken care of. And they take root 
and they fester. Again, we just have to look at David. There's a story of an incorrigible soldier who had been punished so often for so many offenses without avail that his commanding officer despaired of the man's improvement. Again, he was under arrest, and the officer spoke hopelessly of him, asking what more could be done to save him from his own undoing. A fellow officer suggested, try forgiving him. Do what? I've just given you his dirty laundry list. I've just told you how many times he has failed. I just, and, and you know the story. Try forgiving him. The man was brought in and asked what he had to say for himself. His reply, nothing except that I'm, I'm very sorry. Well, said the officer, we have decided to forgive you. The man stood dazed for a moment and then burst into tears, saluted, and went out to become the best and bravest soldier in the command. Few psalms have found as much use as Psalm 51. Psalm 51 stands as an example or a pattern of prayers for forgiveness. This psalm deals only with confession and has no word of the forgiveness which did follow immediately in the historical narrative in 2 Samuel chapter 12. So this psalm must be understood as a full meditation on the importance of confession. I can't be forgiven by God until I confess to God. Now I know all of the theology Confession is about me, not him. He's forgiving. I, got, I get that. But he wants us to confess so that we can realize the power of his forgiveness. After we sin, we must obtain forgiveness if we're going to enjoy full participation in the service of the Lord. God knows who you are. He knows who I am. The message of this psalm is that the vilest offender among God's people can appeal to God for forgiveness, for moral restoration, and for the resumption of a joyful life of fellowship and service. If, oh, another important word. Oh, don't you hate those little words? If he comes with a broken spirit and bases his appeal on God's compassion and grace. 
David appealed to God's love and compassion as he petitioned the Lord to forgive him by grace and cleanse him from sin. The introduction, verses 1 and 2. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Bought out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. God's attributes of unfailing love, that's his mercy. God's attributes of compassion, loving kindness. God's attributes are the basis for David's appeal for mercy. David doesn't appeal because he's so sorry and he's weeping and wailing. Oh, he did. And I believe he was sorry, but that's not the basis. The basis of the forgiveness that he's looking to receive is based on the attributes of God, the person of God, God's mercy, God's loving kindness for the helpless were the basis of David's appeal. Even the verb have mercy was a prayer for God to act in accordance to his nature. It is also recognition that David did not deserve forgiveness. Anybody ever feel that way? My hands are both up. <laughs> I can't do any more than that or I'll fall down. I, why are you smiling? I know what you're thinking. She's always telling me, well, not always, only when I deserve it. You're so hard on yourself. I usually retort, well, if I'm not, who will be? <laughs> you see, we have a tendency to want to think we have to meet God halfway. That there's something we can do. You know, or, there's, or that we're beyond forgiveness. But see, David is recognizing it's got to be all of God. There's nothing I can bring to this exchange of thought and act. And it's also recognition that he didn't think he deserved forgiveness. And shows us that God's forgiveness is by God's grace alone, because none of us, no one, past, present, or tomorrow, deserves the forgiveness of God. It's wonderful that he saved us. He was not obligated to save us. He could have let us go to our just end as rebellious fallen sinners, but he didn't. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. By the power of his hand, he raised him from the grave. And to any man, woman, or child, teenager, young adult who will call upon his name for salvation, he will save them. And he wants them to yield fruit. He wants them to enjoy the abundant life in his son, Jesus Christ, and quit walking around with a smirk on your face. And woe is me. You may not understand everything that you're going through. I don't. It may not fit your timetable. It surely has not fit mine. And sometimes I need someone to remind me. Quit being so hard on yourself. 
You see, David employed three tremendous verbs. And they're figurative here in verses 1 and 2. Blot out, wash away, and cleanse. Here's the picture. Blot out implies a comparison with human records that can be erased. God's eraser is better than Mr. Clean. Okay? You have to use Mr. Clean over and over again sometimes because it comes back. But when God erases, it's forever. Wash away compares forgiveness with washing clothing. Now, clothing often is viewed as an extension of a person. You are what you wear. We don't hear that much anymore. But it used to be if you're going for a job interview, woo, you better know what the company, what they want, because they're going to judge you. The interview starts when you walk into their presence and what you look like. And I know that doesn't play today. It should. Just one man's opinion. But that's what he's saying here. Wash away. Forget, compares forgiveness with washing clothing, often viewed as an extension of the person. And cleanse is drawn from the ceremonial law in which one might be purified for temple purification or for temple participation. You see, David is serious. Blot out. Erase it. Wash it away. Cleanse me so that I might be used. Used by you. These requests, in my opinion, stressed David's desire for God's total forgiveness. The imperative word there is total. Not you're sorry that someone found out. Or you feel a little bit badly about your sin. Total forgiveness of his transgressions, his iniquity, and his sin. Let's go down to verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Confession. That's what these verses are. Confession. He confessed that he had sinned against the Lord. August 2011. I'd come out of a meeting with my counselor. I was still living over here off of Benita Fitzgerald. Had just, had just resigned my pastorate. Was a reed twisting in the wind, wondering, what is God going to do? What 
can God do? Where am I going to be? What, etc., etc. The first session, Pastor So and So took me to Psalm 51. I had to read it every day, several times a day, then write out what each verse meant to me for two weeks. When David said that his sin was constantly before him, I want you to remember that his confession came about a year after he had sinned. I, tell, I used to tell young people all the time, sin is pleasurable for a season. When your mom, your dad, your youth pastor, your preacher tell you, oh, there's no fun in sin, they're not telling you the whole story. Because the word of God says it is pleasurable. But you see, the devil deals at half-truth. He doesn't tell you what's on the other side of the needle. He doesn't tell you what's on the other side of the bottle. He doesn't tell you what's on the other side. You fill in the blank. The immoral relationship. He doesn't tell you that. And David, remember now, we're talking about King David. The most powerful man in all of Israel. And he did not confess for about a year. And according to 2 Samuel 12, verses 13 through 18, the young child died a week after the confession. Now, I think I know what happened. Because, men, we do this more than ladies do. So, ladies, exhale. You're okay. It's all right. Men, they're your toes. You protect them if you have to. David, like most men, had so rationalized his actions that he did not sense his guilt until Nathan approached him. Oh, we're good at that. We get everything on the left side here, compartmentalized, and it has no impact on what's going on over here. This is my fun side. That's what we do to the Lord. Oh, he's in my life, but there's just a few things that I'm not going to give up. And I think David was so busy and wanting to cover up his sin and having the child and having Bathsheba. After all, he's the king. And I don't know for sure. So we'll say at this point, at any rate, he confessed that he had sinned against the Lord. In August of 2011, that hit me like a semi-tractor coming down I-95 and I'm stuck in cement and I can't get out of the way. You know, sometimes we get so busy living this way, you know, horizontally, 
We forget about the vertical and God's watching. I sinned against the Lord. <clears throat> David's very clear. In verse 4, against thee, thee only have I sinned. Did he not sin against Israel? Well, of course he did. Did he not sin against the family? Of course he did. But paramount was his relationship to a God who loved him, who made him king, who demanded that he live a certain way. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil. See, that's another thing. Uh, yeah, what I did was pretty bad. No, it's evil. We just don't always see things God's way. Even as Christians, I made a mistake. No, you sinned. It's evil. In thy sight. May not be evil in your sight. May not be evil in my sight. We need an eye adjustment. I need an eye adjustment. David's not wrong. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. In verses 5 and 6, David moves to another level as he acknowledges that he was morally impotent, totally powerless. He says, I was born a sinner. At no time in my life was I without sin. And this runs contrary to, to God's moral demands on, on my life. You know, from the early days, he faced inner tension, knowing that God desires truth and wisdom. And that is to say, reliable, productive living. So he has an introductory prayer in verses 1 and 2, the confession in verses 3 through 6, and lastly, verses 7 through 12, the petition. Wow. In connection with his confession, David petitioned God first for forgiveness. Verses 7 through 9. Then for inner renewal. In his prayer for forgiveness, the psalmist made the same request as before. In verses 1 and 2, he said, blot out, wash away, cleanse. He uses the same terms, but in reverse order. Cleanse. Wash. Blot out. He wants God to do a thorough work in his life. When David spoke of God's cleansing with him with hyssop, he, he was alluding to the use of hyssop at the religious ceremonies to sprinkle sacrificial blood on the altar. Now, hyssop is, comes in a branch form. Uh, it's in the mint family. Uh, some use it for medicinal purposes and antibacterial and so forth. Very powerful. But in the ceremonial uh, 
ministries, the religious ceremony of ministries, they would take that branch and use it to take the blood and sprinkle it, the sacrificial blood, on the altar. You've got to get that picture. That's what David is asking. Asking of God, cleanse me with hyssop. Make me a new individual. So he's asking for forgiveness in verses 7 through 9. In verse 10, create in me a clean heart. Resolution won't clean your heart. Renovation won't clean your heart. Only repentance. And God, washing us with the water of his word, can cleanse our heart. David is asking God to forgive him. And in verses 10 through 12, for renewal. For renewal. You know, he doesn't want to be cast aside. It, it, the, the language here is understanding the relationship that God had with his people. The Holy Spirit had not have an indwelling. It would come upon individuals and it could depart. Individuals could be cast aside. And David is very clear. Cast me not away, verse 11, from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. He knew what happened to Saul. He knew about the sin of Saul, and he did not want that to happen in his own life. So he asked God to let him once again Rejoice in the knowledge of being right with God. Have you ever heard the phrase, I'm so cold my bones hurt? Or, I'm so tired my bones ache? Well, I say that or ask you that because that's what David uses here. He talks about his bones. And he's saying, make me, verse 8, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. The depths of David's sin made him ache to his very bone. His entire body racked with the pain of sin. You know, God is a very patient God. And he hears David. And he understands that David does not want to be cast away. In verse 12, he understands that David wants to be restored. And he wants to have the joy of thy salvation restored. And then in verse 13, after God has done his work, then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. David was aware 
that in order to experience the joy he once had in his salvation, he needed God's inner spiritual renewal. What a way to start a new year. Resolution kicked aside. Renovation thrown out with the trash. You and you alone at your altar, wherever that may be, with a heartfelt repentance. Crying out to God as David has cried out. Forgiveness is tough. But if we, in honest confession, trust him, he will always do that which is right. And it may be that tonight your need is for salvation in Christ. That's all right. Tonight, on the third night of 2021, if you're willing to confess your sins to Jesus Christ, believe that he is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for your sins, that God raised him from the dead, if you're willing to believe that and ask him to save you, he will. And your life will be on a new path, a new plane, as the person of the Holy Spirit comes into your life to give you the joy and the assurance of being a child of the King. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the privilege it is to be your child. And we acknowledge that you have done everything. Lord, we're thankful for your patience, your love. Thankful for your desire to use frail human beings to bring glory and honor to you. Father, whatever our needs may be tonight in this assembly, we have confidence that as we come into your presence, you'll not only hear, but you will respond for each individual, each family, for our church family. Father, glorify yourself tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Ryan.